Hi, my name is Cadence. And I'm Brooklyn. Our parents are members of Ozark Electric Cooperative. I love our co-op because they give out prizes, like bikes, at the annual meeting. And I love our co-op because they come to my school to teach us how to stay safe around electricity. Welcome to the Power for Your Life podcast, where we focus on energy efficiency, the value of electric cooperative membership, and safety around electricity. Today, I'm visiting with Mark Boyer, Manager of Member Services at Three Rivers Electric Cooperative in Lynn, Missouri. Today's topic, how to build an energy efficient home and save money. Mark, it's important to consider incorporating energy-efficient products and construction techniques into the design phase of our new home that we're getting ready to build. So let's start by talking about why it's important to start early in that design process. When you're designing a home, there are a lot of factors that influence energy efficiency. The design of the home itself, if you have a uh, ranch-style home that is more just like a square That's easier to insulate, and it'll cost less money. If you have a lot of cuts and and corners, that'll add to the cost to insulate. But the most important factor when it comes to new homes is make sure you insulate well and that you have a heating cooling system that is efficient. And that insulation is is really important. It doesn't really matter what types of insulation you're going to use. You've got to choose the right one based on your site location, uh, all of your construction materials, whether you're using two by four walls or two by six walls or concrete or just any number of things that, that factor into that, right? Yes, we, we call it the building envelope. And the building envelope, look at it like putting a letter in an envelope. It surrounds your home. And if you have a tight building envelope, then you're probably going to be operating as energy efficient as you can when it comes to heating cooling costs. If you don't have a tight envelope, then your costs are going to be higher. So it's up to you in the beginning phase of the home building process to make sure that you and the contractor are on the same page when it comes to energy efficiency. And and that that building envelope, uh, you know, is something that we just can't discuss without talking specifically about insulation. So so let's talk about uh, you know the the various types of insulation and the benefits of each one. Let's start with cellulose. With cellulose, uh, blown cellulose, the cellulose insulation itself is coated with a product that is uh, boric acid and a glue. And so you mix it with a little bit of water and you blow it into the cavities and it seals off and then there will be a lot of residue on the floor. You just keep putting it back in and then you shave the walls and you have a compact four-inch wall that does not have any air infiltration. If you use cellulose and if you use um, foam, either type foam, you do not need the house wrap on the outside. You need a house wrap if you use uh, fiberglass insulation because the air can go through fiberglass. And and really, that's one of the fundamental things about, um, about homes that you see a lot in the construction phase early as you see that plastic wrap on the outside yes. and and you know as utilities we think 
Well, we know what kind of insulation they're putting in, so we're probably going to be prepared for those, um, as we call them, the high bill complaints. Or, or the, the member who says, you know, I, I really can't understand why my bill's so high because I've, we think we've properly insulated our home. Right. You know, each insulation has a performance uh, graph, and you need to look at that performance graph to understand how cold and hot affect that type of insulation, and that will help you make your decision. Uh, whenever I built my home, I used blown cellulose. And the important and important factor when you're building a home is to make sure you insulate the whole envelope all the way around, including, as I did, the basement walls. And I know there's been a long feeling that if you have dirt up against the outside of the concrete wall that you're good. Well, in Missouri the ground temperature is an average of 55 to 57 degrees depending on north-south part of the state. If you're heating your house to 70, you're losing heat constantly through those walls in the basement. You don't even realize it. And so I think it's important to understand if you truly want the maximum insulated home you have to know to put the right insulation in the attic, in the walls, and the, all walls in the basement have to be insulated. You know, we we did something similar with our new home uh, several years ago, and and we used uh, foam insulation. Yes. And and much like the the blown in cellulose, you know, it truly seals up every little nook and cranny. Um, including any of those wiring penetrations from the outside air conditioning unit uh, to any electrical penetrations between the studs. I mean, it, it is truly sealed up, uh, and there's no air that can move, uh, unlike other, other forms of insulation. And, you know, when we first started talking about tight homes, which that would be considered a tight home, mine would definitely be considered a tight home, they said, oh, you're going to have problems with moisture. I have not. And the whole time I've been at Three Rivers Electric, only two or three homes had moisture problems, and none of them were caused by insulation. Matter of fact, they were caused by the lack of insulation and exposed walls. And, and you know, they, they talk about um, the, the fact that that home can be too tight, as you just mentioned. Yes. and. And you have moisture problems, you have humidity problems, you have mold problems, and you know I've not experienced it. You've not experienced no. it. We've we've had lower utility bills than our neighbors. I um, well, <laughs> you know, there's a meter on every home, and so at the end of the year, if you add up all your month your monthly bills and divide by twelve, give your average cost. So I have about an eighteen hundred square foot ranch home. And my average cost, I, of course, I have a ground source heat pump, too, so that <laughs> that has a large part to play in this. But the average monthly cost is $120. You know, you, you just can't really beat that. I nope. mean, that's, that's just real, real efficient home. It is. Um, you know, the other factor that comes into play when you're talking about uh, making sure you have as, as little air infiltration as possible is yes. sealing up those windows and doing it at the proper time in the construction phase. Talk a little bit about the advantages of, of a $2.50 tubacock. The advantage is this. Uh, most contractors these days, insulation contractors, as part of the home insulation package, will seal all your ceiling joists and your, your floor joists 
and all areas that air can come through, which is something we never did back in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, but then it just became part of the process. And if you are going to hire a contractor, make sure that they will seal with caulk exactly as you're talking about. That that one tube of caulk that costs $2.50, I don't know, I mean, I have bought caulk in a while, but <laughs> say it's $2.50, well, that'll run a long way, you know, down a ceiling joist to seal that part, and air will come in wherever it can. You know, when we do energy audits, it's like, well, if you can see uh, light around the door or if you feel air around the window, you definitely know air is coming through. So caulk is your, that is your number one defense for air infiltration. And, and of course, we want to also make sure that, that not only are we doing it at the time of construction, but then a year or two or three years later after oh. you've moved in, you want to go through and inspect all of the inside parts of that window and make sure you've got a fresh bead of caulk around uh, where the, the uh, drywall meets the, the window pane and the window sill uh, all the way around that exactly. window. Exactly. If, if you see the caulk starting to pull away or shrink, you know it's time to redo it. You know, there, and there, again, there's no time like now. A lot of times, again, you do energy audits and, you know, people say, I'm going to get on right on that, and I don't know if they ever do. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no real way to prove it, is there? No, no there's not. Yeah. We just know. <laughs> exactly. We do indeed. We do indeed. So let's take a short break, and uh, when we come back and, and finish our discussion with uh, Mark Boyer, Let's talk a little bit about heating and cooling. You mentioned okay. your ground source heat mm-hmm. pump, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to also talk about some new technologies that are really old technologies. They've been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but we're going to talk about that in a great way to save money on your water heating bill. And we're going to do that in a moment when we return. Hi, I'm Bill. But thanks to my electric co-op, I'm also known as Captain Costcutter. Every time I change out my air filter or the insulator when adding insulation to my attic. My electric co-op helps me use energy wisely and save money. So I guess you could just call me Energy Bill. Lower Energy Bill. Learn more about the power of your co-op membership at TogetherWeSave.com. Discover the value of your co-op membership. Visit MembersFirst.coop today. Truth be told, your electricity comes from people power, from the hard-working efficiency of the men and women of your electric co-op. Their dedication to providing reliable electricity has kept families and friends connected for generations. And thankfully, people power is one energy source that you can always depend on. Learn more about the power of your co-op membership at TogetherWeSave.com. Discover the value of your co-op membership. Visit MembersFirst.coop today. Back with more of the Power for Your Life podcast and our discussion with Mark Boyer from Three Rivers Electric Cooperative. Today's topic, building an energy efficient home. And Mark, before the break, we were talking about how best to seal up a home in new construction and some of the energy efficient technologies used uh, in that new home construction. 
But you know, there's also some things that you can do with an existing home to make it more energy efficient. Talk about those things. You know, and actually, Daryl, it's really not that much different from a new home. Seal, insulate. Um, Also, there's uh, what plays into new appliances. And if you have the right type of heating system, a programmable thermostat. Okay, so let me, and let me start with sealing. Sealing is probably the number one, the most cost-effective way to improve your home. And by sealing, what I mean is this. We talked about it earlier. If, if you see air around a door, guess what? Or light around a doorway, air is coming in. What I run into doing energy audits, and this is it's just something that it's, it happens all the time. I go into a home... And I always wonder what I'm doing. I'm always checking every window because invariably what happens is somebody will, you know, springtime comes, they unlatch their window, and that top part falls down probably about two inches, and they don't even realize it. So they put the window up, flip the um, whatever that thing is. The latch. The yeah. locks it, you know, <laughs> locks the window, and they think, oh, it's it's locked. When I come back, you know, now it's cold weather Mm -hmm. in the winter, and I check the window, and usually about half the windows in the home (laughs) have done that. Not only are they unlocked and unsecure, but now they're still leaking air both at the top and then at the top of that that, uh, that, where that latch latch should be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing to me. And speaking of windows, I think it's been a, a common item that everybody thinks that the best way to improve a home is to put new windows. If you already have double-pane windows, that's probably your worst investment. Before you do that, seal, insulate. Again, any exposed wall in the basement that you can get to, you need to insulate because all you're going to do is help that much more on keeping your heating system from operating. Uh, The other, the programmable thermostat, I think... People get carried away sometimes because if you read the federal guidelines or any of these energy, you know, how to make a home more energy efficient, they talk about programmable thermostats. Uh, They'll recommend turning down three or four degrees because if you turn it way down, then the whole house cools down and it takes, it ends up going the other direction. It takes longer and runs more to get it back up where it Mm -hmm. should be. So as long as you're okay and you don't get carried away with it maybe three four degrees and then bring it back up you're going to be good and do it incrementally too because yes. because with many of the new programmable thermostats you can can actually start in in the winter time you can start that preheat as what i'll call it that that little short segment of bringing it up a couple of degrees mm-hmm. say at three o'clock in the afternoon if you're home by five so that at four o'clock, maybe you're bringing it up another degree or two, and then when you get home at five, it's the comfortable temperature that you want instead of having two solid hours of runtime full bore and and putting undue stress on that compressor. Oh, exactly. And as you know, we started doing thermostat rebates, you know, mm-hmm. through the co-op systems, but it has to be Energy Star rated and. A lot of people are just buying thermostats and sending in the <laughs> the uh, rebate applications, and they're not qualifying. Right. So if you need to know what qualifies, go to the Energy Star uh, website, 
under thermostats, and they have a list of the thermostats to qualify for the Energy Star rating, which will get the $50 rebate through Associated and the electric co-ops mm-hmm. and and of course you can always contact your local co-op exactly. you know for the you know for the exact details of of what qualifies in those thermostats and, yes and you know the those smart thermostats even give you that that mobile capability so if you've got the time while you're out and you want to start that incremental process of raising your your temperature in the winter or lowering it in the summertime so that the house is more comfortable when you get home you know you can do that over time and not put such a big burden on on your heating and cooling system. Exactly, and some of those thermostats are so advanced, they learn your um, the way you're operating, and they will do it for you automatically. I mean, it's really amazing the technology that is in some of those thermostats. Right. Uh, back to what you're saying. The last thing about you, you seal, you insulate, programmable thermostats, heating systems, heating systems. If you have an air conditioner that is 20 years old, the sear rating on that air conditioner is probably 9 to, 9 to 11 at the highest, whereas today's sear ratings can go upwards of 18 to 20. So that sear rating, a higher sear rating, will make it operate less. So just be aware of that. Heat pumps are the same way. Air source heat pumps have higher H- HSPFs and sear ratings. Now you pay for the higher, but you're going to save money. So just be aware of that whenever you're buying. And there are, again, rebates through the cooperative system. For air source heat pumps, you have to have gas backup, and that's what a lot of people don't understand either. And that's for a reason, but you have to have gas backup in order to get a rebate on that right. heat pump. And, and you know, you're, you're leading right into our, our next uh, little piece here of, of information that's going to be really key, and we're going to talk uh, in detail about ground source heat pumps. Okay. But according to the Department of Energy here in the United States, more than 50% of the energy that we spend every single month on our uh, home expenses comes as a result of heating and cooling our home, making it more comfortable for us. So half of our bill is made up by that heating and cooling system. So let's talk about why GEO has been such a geothermal, ground source heat pumps have been such an important factor in your life and and how much money it saved you over a lifetime. Let's start, I started at Three Rivers in 1985. In 1986, ground source heat pumps became readily or available on the residential market. So there was a rebate at that time a whopping $250 per system. With a ground source heat pump, you have a higher cost to install because you have to either drill the holes in the ground for vertical or trench for horizontal or put in a lake loop. But the whole reason for that is with a ground source, instead of like an air source system where the air temperature outside, you're either trying to take heat out of the air or put heat back outside, a ground source, water is controlling that heat extraction or rejection so because of that and, and if you size it right you control what the heating costs are going to be now in, in my case again I have a I had a meter on mine but just to, for example we have a 1680 square foot ranch home and our average bill with the ground source is $120 now what does a ground source do for you? Compared to an electric furnace, a ground source will use one 
third to one four one fourth to one third of what an electric furnace will. Compared to propane, depends on the price of propane, but what propane is right now, it's at least fifty percent savings compared to propane. And it's real savings. Now, as with any heating cooling system, what you set it on is going to determine a lot toward what kind of bill you're going to get mm-hmm. to. We keep it set on 69 or 70 because we can't hardly take it any hotter in the house. Uh, you know, some people have it on 74. Just understand that compared to 70 to 74, you're going to spend about 12 to 15% more to heat that house on 74 than you are on 70. So just keep that in mind. But uh, with the ground source, uh, the first house I built was built in 1992. This is 2019. That's 27 years. And that original system's still there. The house I have now was built in 2004, and I still have the original in there. So they do last. Uh, they sit inside. That's the beauty. It, it heats. It cools. It'll help with the water heat if you want it to. And it all sits inside. You don't have that noisy central air conditioner out there. I mean, how many people have had a little get-together in the summer, you know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it, the decks are always right above the air conditioner, so you yep. hear that thing kick on, and then you have to raise your voice. Ground source don't have that problem. Plus, it's protected from the elements, and and that yes. leads to it being more of a of a system to last uh, much longer than being exposed to the sun, the rain, the hail, everything in the world that that happens on the outside. Exactly. I mean, um, I think in the state of Missouri, I don't know how many ground source systems are there, but due to the rebate being there for so long, uh, I know it. Just our co-op alone, twenty percent of our heating systems are ground source, and that's a that's a pretty good number. It is, um, and and you know the interesting thing too, which goes back to where we started in this podcast. We talked about ceiling. We talked about insulation. We talked about you know designing that home correctly. So if you do all of those things ahead of time and you get the right insulation. What's the end result with that geothermal or air source heat pump or any type of heating and cooling system? Regardless of the type of heating system you have, if you insulate and seal properly, you're going to guarantee that you're operating at the lowest cost there can be for that system, regardless and, of which type you use. And possibly even reducing the size of that of that equipment. You know, and that is that's a good point, Daryl. We go look at homes, and then they say, well, what size do I need? Well, you need a five-ton, but if you if you will insulate the walls in the basement or whatever and improve over here, then it could be a four-ton. And that's a big savings right there. That's a big savings. <laughs> big savings indeed. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and speaking of savings, there's one other very large expense in, in our monthly expenses, and that's called water heating. We've got to have hot water for showers today. Oh, I'm telling I'd, you. I've taken enough cold showers, and I don't want to do any more of it. <laughs> but, you know, you have personal experience, Mark, with um, with uh, technology called a heat pump water heater. And it's not old technology, uh, but it has really been refined in the last few years. Yes. Um, and you have some personal experience. Share with uh, everyone what your experience has been with those. When the heat pump water heaters came out about seven or eight years, probably a little longer than that, but anyway, I got one about seven years ago, and uh, we had we have a group that gets together, and we had some arguments about it was going to rob heat from the home, it was going to cost more of this, this and that. 
So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to put a meter on there, and I put thermostats in different areas, and you know, so I could see how much the temperature went down, and so I did. And at the end of the first year, I saved an average of 300 kilowatt hours a month because I kept the uh, water heater. It's a heat pump water heater, and I use heat pump only. Or if I needed a quicker recovery, I would put it on hybrid. So on heat pump only, you average about 100 kilowatt hours a month. On hybrid, about 120. I was using over 400 originally. Now, I have the metering. I mean, I kept meter readings every month. And I also put those thermostats in three different areas to see what the temperature drop was. The biggest temperature drop was four degrees, and that was by the outside door, <laughs> which, by the way, had a little bit of air. Had a little air infiltration <laughs> yeah. problems, yeah. And the one in the corner for, into the living area, it only dropped two degrees. So that I don't think anybody should be afraid of heat pump water heaters. They work, and they will save you money. Now, right now, it just so happens, I think about a year ago, we started doing rebates on heat pump water heaters, $500, up to $500. You got 50% of the cost back up to $1,000. So once you get above $1,000, you still only get $500 back. But that is a tremendous, a tremendous savings. Tremendous benefit. And I mean, again, now, caution. If you do have a heat pump water heater, you cannot stick it in the mechanical room or something like that because it needs air movement to make it work. Where mine is, I have 10 feet across, about 25 feet deep, plenty, plenty, plenty large, and it worked like a charm. Or you can also consider, you know, if you've got a large enough mechanical room, put louvers on the doors or on the walls so that it can have that air exchange. It's got to have the air in order to operate properly. Oh, yeah. And and you're right. And I think, uh, like, I don't have a mechanical room. Do you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you want one, you just put the louvers on, right. and that would be able to move the air and extract the heat like, like it's supposed to operate. Yeah. Well, these are, these are just all really important things, I think, for our listeners. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the bottom line is we're, we're, one, trying to share some new technologies and some opportunities to save some money. Uh, but also if you're looking at uh, water heater replacement, uh, you know, there's rebates available. There's thermostats. Uh, smart thermostats that have uh, rebates if they're Energy Star. Uh, lots of different things that you can contact your local electric co-op about. And Ground we, source, we air heard, source. You bet. Daryl, before we, before we end, uh, Associated and the cooperatives also have a rebate on mini splits. Mini splits are just a mini split is a small heat pump. If you have an area where you have no ductwork, you like to put heat in, a mini split is a wonderful way to do it because you don't need ductwork. It just has a head that sits on the wall, and that'll do, that controls the heating and cooling from there, blows the air out, and it operates fine. You can even put mini splits in for a whole house on a new house. Well, you have to plan a little different with that, but you can do that. But uh, my personal preference on uh, any home would be ground source. You bet. But those mini splits... We're seeing more and more rebates on those, and they they work. You know, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Contact your co-op, and they'll give you all the details, right? We we will. You bet. (laughs) Well, Mark Boyer from Three Rivers Electric Cooperative in Lynn, I appreciate you taking time today to help our 
help our listeners save some money and and, uh, also learn some things about energy efficiency. Well, thank you. Glad to do it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To learn more about this topic and other safety, efficiency, and energy technology information, contact your local electric cooperative or visit us on the web at membersfirst.coop. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash membersfirstcooperatives or on Instagram at instagram.com slash membersfirst. If you have a question or topic you would like us to consider for an upcoming episode, email us at membersfirst at aeci.org.